0: To get the latest news, as well as fun bonuses, be sure to sign up for my weekly herbal newsletter. Okay, grab your cup of tea. Let's dive in. I had such a blast with this episode in part because my guest Lucretia Van Dyke is so infectiously fun, but also because I blissfully started the day with her recipe. And that is definitely not to be missed. With a journey that began when she was a little girl mixing herbs, muds, and roots on her grandparents' farm, Lucretia Van Dyke has had a lifelong connection to the plants and has been in the wellness industry for over 25 years. Her quest for knowledge and storytelling has led her all over the world to learn about remedies, traditions, and ceremonies from indigenous healers. One of the foremost experts on Southern Folk Healing Arts, Lucretia integrates rituals, plant spirit meditation, holistic food, herbal medicine, and ancestor reverence into people's practices. Lucretia has worked and trained with many internationally known spa and skincare companies. She is a holistic educator, speaker, herbalist, sacred sexologist, ceremonialist, spiritual coach, intuitive energetic practitioner, diviner, author, and world traveler. Lucretia has studied with some of the greatest minds of our time. She brings her vivacious spirit and her message of ancestral connection and herbal practices to inspire others to embrace their unique relationship with the plants. Her work with herbs and ceremony honors African healing arts, women's wholeness medicine, grief work, trauma, self-love empowerment, and holistic botanical skincare. Teaching herbal classes, cooking, storytelling, traveling, and foraging in the woods, learning native medicine is what charges her soul. Lucretia is the author of the new book, African Herbalism. I've read this book from cover to cover, and I loved it. I think all herbalists need to read it. You can find African Herbalism now at your favorite bookstore. Welcome to the Herbs with Rosalie podcast, Lucretia. I am so thrilled to have you here.
1: Oh, I'm so excited, too. Thank you for having me. Oh,
0: my gosh. You know, this just worked out perfectly because I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time. And I couldn't get in touch with you. And then you commented on my Instagram and I was like, Lucretia, I've been trying to find you and get in touch with you. And it worked out so great because I am so excited to talk about your new book, which we are going to do a little bit later on.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so excited too. And it was all over Holy Basil that came together while we're talking.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. One of my very, very favorite herbs. But before we get to Holy Basil, I would love to hear about your journey and what has brought you here today.
1: Well, you know, it's so funny, you know, I don't remember a time in my life where I haven't been with the plants and it was hilarious to me when I figured out that you could do this for a living and that, you know, it was like all the things that made me really awkward. I grew up on a farm with folk medicine in the South and a tiny town in North Carolina So I've always been around folk remedies, always the plants were my best friend for all my life. And so having that connection and growing up on the farm and using plant medicine since the early, you know, I was two years old. People were like, when did you start? I was like, two. um, I often write, uh, you know, in the book, we'll talk later about Emma Dupree. She did that. They called her little medicine thing. And I was like, somebody like me. And so my connection with them and. I think it's my own healing journey that made me go harder into the plants, having to actually use them and be like the living embodiment of my work because they were the thing that brought me through. And they're the thing that continues to like heal me. So I've done this since I was a little farm girl and like, you know, it's it's a crazy wild world and they bless me and take me on such amazing adventures around the world. So I'm Mm -hmm. always grateful
0: oh lovely and i just to interject another question into this is i'm curious about the storytelling and how
1: did that come to be a part of your life you know i don't know people just you know it was like i didn't really realize i was a storyteller and you know i love reading as a child and i love like the thought processes and you know the things and so It was like, you know, several people kept saying, they're like, you could be talking about the most boring people, but the way you say things, and I love to like draw you in, you know, paint the picture. I want you to feel like you're there with me. And so I guess I've just always been very verbal once my voice opened, you know, and once I aligned with myself, it was just like these adventures and bringing them home and you know telling things it's just and then like all of a sudden somebody's like you're such a great storyteller i was like oh is that what that is <laughs> so you know i like to make people feel like they're there and take you and i think the more i was in the spot industry for so long you know creating these elaborate set you know treatments that were like ceremonies that took you somewhere and it's just wove itself into storytelling much more now Hmm. And being a culture bearer and a keeper of the stories, I remember, you know, how important it is that we tell our own stories and not let someone else tell them. So I'm like collecting elders and these beautiful shamans and people I get to meet from different places. And bringing that knowledge to people is just like a heart song and a very big ancestral calling.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you know, reading through your book, I was really, it was just really interesting to see how these very, all of these interesting, unique threads come together through you through the storytelling, through the ceremony, through your vast experience in skincare, it just creates this very, you know, unique experience in this, you know, unique being of Lucretia. So that's, it's a really fun thing to see that and, and immerse myself in that through your book. But I'm so excited to talk about your book, but let's let's dive into Holy Basil first. And I want to hear how you chose Holy Basil for today.
1: Well, you know, it's hard. People always ask herbalists this question, if you could have one herb, like what would it be? And I'm like, that's like telling your, you know, picking your favorite child and then telling the rest they can't go to the party. <laughs> so it's like so difficult. And I'm like, what was it? I'm like, should I do something cultural? Should I do something here? But you know, Holy Basil, when I found it, it was just such a profound thing in my life because I, you know, dealing with trauma and dealing in most of my work is with grief and trauma, you know, for social justice people and my own community and others. But like for myself, like Holy Basil, the thing is like PTSD, like it helps with trauma. It helps balance the body. And when you live in help in the wellness industry, your depression looks different than other people's in like, you're, you know, you know, you're always holding space for other people. So like your stuff becomes like number 18 on a list of only seven things to do. So it became this plant ally that I was always nourishing myself, always taking care, always making sure that I'm in balance and making sure things go. And then, you know, being used, in reverence around the world, like understanding how this one plant has so many different countries that it's so significant in as far as spiritual practice. And so I'm really all about not only the medicinal properties, but the spiritual properties of things. And, you know, holy basil a lot of times is used for the crown chakra. And like, I think a lot, I'm going to think, 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 think. So like using it and ceremonially and different skincare and, different like head washes to clear the mind. You know, I have one of those that's in my book that I talk about also. And that's an important ceremony also in our in our traditions. And so it was just like inevitable because I'm always talking about it. So I guess I was like, oh, I guess that's my favorite. I'm drinking the tea right now to be. Mm. That's the one plant I'm the biggest snob about too. that and nettles. Like I don't order it like it has to be from a farm that someone has loved from seed to harvest and through the whole process. Like, so that's the one herb that I will not bulk order from a strange person also. So I'm like, it has to be holy basil. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, there's a huge difference in quality. You can really tell with holy basil. I completely agree. I grow it myself and, you know, the holy basil I grow just does not compare to anything I've been able to just buy commercially. So it's just a whole other plant really when it, when it's you know not like you said loved from start to finish like that
1: it is and it's like it, it hits the spirit so much and so i'm like how many ways can i put this in something and mm-hmm. you know it's also the plant that connected us to get here so i was like i guess that's the plant to talk about even though it's hit so much harder you know i travel so much and had to leave my garden. I had such beautiful, the tempered holy basil, which I was so excited about because people are starting to say it's connection to Africa and places like that. And so, you know, and it was sister plants in there. So I'm like, I haven't grown it and I can't, I'm such a snob about what variety you get to. So I'm just like, I haven't found the plant yet to have the in the garden. So I have like my beloveds who have a big farm and they send it to me and I'm like, okay, this has got just as much (laughs) love. Oh, good.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm curious. Let's talk about holy basil for skincare because that's not something I see a lot and it's something I love for
1: skincare. I know. I just, I don't know why it's not used as much. You know, I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia, so I'm like, I really learned much more about using your skincare a ceremony because they had these beautiful elaborate ceremonies like when the bride gets married or things like that. So I'm like, why not bring holy basil into your daily routine? I love it for its, you know, the properties that it does for skin, like it brightens a lot. It really like hydrates. It adds this beautiful smell when you infuse it in the oils, especially If you try to do it fresh, it's amazing. I powder it down and put it in my mask. And I found like just using clay mask was like, oh, and you know, that's earth element. But how can I bring into alignment other things? And like, you know, I'm like, you're putting it on the face. So, okay, crown chakra. But I love what it actually is doing to the skin as well. And so doing that research and figuring out like the toning and the brightening and you know, the nourishment of it, I was like, this is a body, mind and soul plant to just put in something. And I'm all about self-love and all about self-nourishment and adorning yourself. And I love to teach other women that. And so I'm like, what better plant to just bring that vibrational love into there during your common wash your face or put your facial on or your serum or in a toner water, you know, like I found that it's just it adds the multi-dimension holistic healing into the skin your skincare regimen. How do you use it in your skincare?
0: Oh my God. Well, you know, I so I started infusing it into oil a couple of years ago and it quickly became my most requested, I just make for friends and family, but most requested oil. I just fell in love with it. Just like you said, you know, this nourishing, wonderful self-care exercise and and, you know, beautiful ritual before I use it before I go to bed at night and I just love it what you said was just so beautiful. And I feel like since I started doing that and talking about it, my students will say like, oh, what are the benefits of a fully basil infused in oil? And I'm kind of like, oh, I, I, just, I just did it. <laughs> and, and I love it. <laughs> now I'm going to be like, go watch the interview with Lucretia because she says it so much better than I do. So yeah, yeah, there's something very compelling about it.
1: Yeah, if you see about what it does medicinally, it's also like has some of those proper, you know, properties topically It has a lot of just balancing. So it really helps balance the skin, you know, like combination skin, dry skin or, you know, oily skin in some places. So it brings that balance also back to skin, which is another big thing, I think, Mm -hmm. as well.
0: Yeah, it must modulate inflammation. I'm kind of, I've never had skin problems. Like just, it just has not been my, my challenge in life of which I have had many, but that is not one of them. So when it comes to stuff for my skin, I'm like, I like it, <laughs> but, I, but you know, because it hasn't been like something that's a challenge for me, it's just, I find things that I love and I keep using them. So that's nice. I love everything you just said about holy basil. So I love it as a hydrosol too, just to spritz it on my face and my body, especially in the summertime. It's just so refreshing and lovely and it's like a i like this like i don't know it feels like a lightning you know like kind of like ah. yeah,
1: yeah. there's some plants i think that we use for more medicinal purposes like we know comfrey with the skin it helps tighten like the interconnective tissues and the oils and all that holy basil i feel like does the spiritual aspect which helps balance Probably even more technically than putting it on. So it has more properties for that to lighten the mood. I mean, who of us in this modern day age don't need that, you know, especially like loving yourself. And as you said, that lifting of the spirit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, lovely. Well, what are some other ways that you like to enjoy Holy Basil?
1: I mean, I like to eat plants. Like I'm always in the kitchen, you know, when I travel, it's like so much more harder. But like if you, it was hard because I, you know, I gave one of my recipes, my famous, nobody's ever gotten that recipe. It's the most asked for. And people want to invite themselves over for breakfast. My, you know, love pancakes, you know, that has- the- what I
0: had for <laughs> breakfast today. <laughs> Oh, they're so good. Yeah. So, these are the herbal love, pancakes, and oh my gosh, so good. And it was such a beautiful morning. I went out to the garden. I harvested holy basil. I harvested lemon balm. I had dried rose petals. And my husband made them. So we kind of co-created it. Mm-hmm. And, oh, oh, I was jumping up and down excited about them. They were so delicious. And I was so
1: excited to tell you. So I'm sorry
0: I interrupted. But they <laughs>
1: are- I love that. I love that you did that with your love, that makes me even happier. Mm -hmm. I know people make fun of me, like my top favorite herbs, those are a lot of them, and they're all heart healing medicines. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, somebody brought that to my attention and I'm very much about the heart space. I think it's such a fascinating thing. So when you bring it into food in the ceremonial way that you did, you feel it vibrate through you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, roses and the lemon balm and then holy basil. It's just an illumination. I have strangers who want to come to my house and me make them pancakes. with them. <laughs> it's like, And like nobody's ever thought about putting plants in pancakes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I sit there and make things. And then I'm like, OK, what plants can I put in here? Mm-hmm. And that came to me one morning doing the same thing. I just had harvested holy basil. I just had harvested roses and lemon balm. And like, they were all just like, they speak to me because of my lifelong connection. And they were like, put this in here. And I spent a year also being addicted to roses. I was really working on a lot of heartbreak and a lot of grief Mm -hmm. and my grief work. And so I was like, how many things can you overdose on roses? I'm like Mm -hmm. looking at that too. So I love that. And holy basil pesto, like once you do that, you will not go back to regular pesto. People do all the basils, but holy basil pesto, if you want to have a spiritual experience with a bag of like pretzel chips or any type of
0: thing, like, <laughs> do, you, do you use all holy basil in that? So it's not like half and half, it's just 100% holy basil pesto. Wow,
1: I love it so much, and mm. I spent so much time being plant based, and so like, I made a vegan version of it. And like, you know, I see I always like to make vegan versions of things so people can understand that you know, open it up to that. But yeah, all it was all holy basil. I just had some fresh Mm -hmm. and I was like wanting to make pesto, And so I just shoved 100% holy basil in there. People were like, what? I'm like, I love it so much. So I love that. And then like your tea infusions, I use it a lot in spiritual baths also. So spiritual bathing is a very important. The West doesn't recognize it, but every indigenous culture that I've been graced with being with has some connection to spiritual bathing. And that's using the plants for their magical and spiritual element to work on the energetic body. And so I use it so much in that one to like clear the mind, to clear the ethereal spirit. So it becomes really a lot, you know, brewing those teas down and pouring them in the bath water and like using that plant medicine. So that's one of my, also my favorite ways to center and balance the person. It's what I use when somebody has gone through instant trauma and like they come to me after something (laughs) traumatic has happened. That's the first bath I go to. Is holy basal and just to help move the trauma from the body. I'm not saying that you're gonna walk away with no trauma, but you know how grief and comes in big tsunami waves. So this makes the waves less impactful. It removes a lot of the energetic nature of it. I also use it with little children who are connected to their parents with trauma. So it just becomes such an ally in so many different ways for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you mentioned spiritual bathing. I feel like that's a question I get a lot about is, you know, this, this element of herbalism and botanical healing. And I wrote an article about Maurice Messiguet, who was a French herbalist. He was really into hand and foot baths, but it was really from a, like a physiological, you know, kind of thing. And, and that was something I really loved in your book. You have a whole chapter about the sacred waters and healing through waters and it's
1: So important. And and like, I just came back from Haiti and I've had Haitian teachers and it's very much in our culture with my people. It's one of the most important. You get the herbal that you take with prayer, but it's the spiritual bath. I even have my girlfriends, like my small few. And like when you're going through things, they're like, girl, did you take your bath? bath? You know, it's like it's so important. and I love to hear that other people are you know, awakening to it, but it's such an important part of my healing journey, you know, the sacred waters and using the plant medicine and the baths. And it's such an easy way to incorporate that, you know, because, you know, grief is so we can take a clinical approach to grief, but it has only gotten us so far. And so these ceremonies have existed since the beginning of time. And it's fascinating to me that around the world, I think no internets, no interwebs, no Phone, no TV, but all these cultures have these beautiful plants that they use in different ways, and they're all connected through that. And I found it so fascinating, even though traditionally you get really beat down with the plants when you get a spiritual back. If I would go to a medicine person, it's not like Calgon, take me away, <laughs> no honey, they' about to come for you you're getting like plants i have to share some pictures i'll send you of me after my spiritual bath in haiti and like other ones i have plants everywhere and you have to be in the sun with the plants but it was beautiful because they do their solar infused like they have to sit in the sun and they get even more technical they're like oh it's the rain water you have this going on so you need rain water no you have this going on so you need water from the ocean And I had like a, I don't know, she's 80 something years old, tiny little woman come down off the mountain and teach me about plants. She brought me all of these plants and she's doing my spiritual bath. And they have a path and they call it a goat path because only goats can go down it. It was like a kind of a little cliff that goes to the ocean. She took this big thing of water, came up with it on her head, her tiny sail, and like created this bath and... You know, she's praying over you and like smacking the plants and rubbing them really hard on you to get all the stuff off. And you're just like, and at the end, it's just like this glow. And you feel so much more connected to them when you can do that as well. So I'm like, spiritual bathing is my jam. And that's why I really wanted to include that in the book, because I think that we're all going through such tough times. I wanted to just offer how other cultures who had so much trauma work that through. I love that description
0: of your time in Haiti. What a powerful connection to place, to, you know, just that, you know, deep connection to a person, to the land, to the waters, to the plants.
1: Yeah, it's very fascinating, like, moving, you know, to New Orleans during COVID and kind of being here and you know, studying, I I really was embracing a lot of Haitian culture, even though I already had Haitian teachers and I didn't, you know, for spiritual baby, for flower baths and things like that. But I've learned like one big thing is like in Haiti, when they speak in Creole, if you ask somebody how they're doing, they say we are doing fine. That's what they say. They're their strong connection to nature. Like Haiti is nature. And they have this even when they plant things and the ancestors. So it's no individual person. It's we as a collective with nature. And it's fascinating to be with the farmers that were there because they're, you know, one was planting 150, you know, banan or plantain trees. And I was like, whoa, that to me was a lot for one person. And they talked about, like, he was talking to me about the time of planting them. He's like, the moon is right. And he was like, he dug the holes during the day, but he's like, you can't plant them till the nighttime. If you plant them during the day, the sun happens and the sun puts too much pressure on them and they won't be as sweet. So you have to plant them in the afternoon at night so they can slowly grow to be with the moonlight before. And I'm like, biodynamic farming before, and they don't even know what that is. And they have even more of a reverence to it. I'm like, that's the beauty about the adventures the plants have taken me on is to really connect deeper and deeper and deeper with that element of them. Hearing
0: that description just makes me think so much about ancestral medicine and how much of that must have been passed down and the awareness that goes on to recognize all those little things, you know, the sweetness of the plantains when they're planted. And and of course that's something I loved so much about in your book and the ancestral connection. And you know, when in the beginning of the book you talk about different ancestral healers and the I think you call it the grandmothers of African American herbalism, which yeah. is such a you know missing part of so much of herbal curriculum in the United States. So I loved reading that. I've heard you speak on it too. So it was fun to, you know, get that again. And then I loved that you connected that towards the end of the book you Interviewed living legacies and people, so it was just this beautiful arc of past and present and vibrant ways that herbalism is alive within African American communities and and so many different ways too, which I really get from speaking to you. There's ceremony, there's spiritual bathing, there's food, which you talk a lot about as well, from you know herbal pancakes to soul food. Yeah.
1: Yes was important for me to mention living legacies. You know, I'm all about getting your flowers now while you're living. And so many people in the herbal community, is like, I don't know people of color healers. And I'm like, are you, you know? So these are people who are colleagues who I wanted you to see from these different parts of the diaspora, different parts of the world. Like, you know, you know, the Gullah Geechee people. I loved having Willanese, who's Haitian, like her passion when she talks in Creole, like. She goes into Haitian Creole and her reverence and having that recipe in Creole, also in English, was super important. So you can see how, you know, we have changed and mutated and keep changing and mutating and growing and honoring our ancestors in so many different ways. Bevan's always funny. She, Bevan Claire, she's like, You're always talking about ancestors and plants, ancestors and plants. I'm like, That's my life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I found the whole book so inspiring and just a really powerful addition to the herbal world. And I just feel so grateful that you, one, have been teaching this for so long. And then two, you felt called to write a book and get it down on paper for many others. So
1: yeah. I know. And it's funny, the publishing world, they're like, we want you to write this book. I had to do no book proposal, nothing. Mm-hmm. I used the plants and like did ceremony and I wrote a blog for Mountain Rose Herbs. And I was like, you know, I really sat in prayer and I was like, bring me the publisher. And it was like several months later, like two or three months later, you know, this publisher was like, we want you to write this book. You don't have to do a book proposal, but we want you to write it in six months. Oh, that book was written. There are like 40,000 words in six months. I wrote 55,000 words and just a little, I was like, I need, you know, after Hurricane Ida came here to New Orleans, it was like, no electricity for a week. So I had a few little lumps, but I got in, you know, a little overtime. I had to extend it. So, you know, it's not at all the things that I wanted to. And it was done in six months, which was a lot of feels because you're doing, you know, you've written books, you do like six hours of research to use one paragraph. And so you know, really listening to our people's, you know, history and you know, spending hours with some parts of history that are not so beautiful and that are very guttural and painful. And so that's again why Holy Basil came into my life for writing is like sometimes I'd have to close the computer. You know, you can't write about our history without talking about the transatlantic slave trade. But then also seeing what that did by coming through the South and really influencing how we, do medicine. And so that story was really important for me to share, like through the trauma, there was something birthed from that trauma. And, you know, it was like, But six months? I was like, hopefully I'll have much more time on the next book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was there anything that surprised you through the writing of the book, either through your own process or, you know, things you learned?
1: Well, you know, that You know, I really am like, write the book. I'm telling everybody, you know, record your stories. And you see that as a common mantra through the book. I even had questions in the back of the book, like how to interview elders. And like, you know, you know, that was one thing that I'm like, tell the story. If I can do it, you can do it. You can write this book. You can carry this legacy and things, you know, the capacity of yourself and how you limit yourself you know, is one thing I learned, like, we can really be limitless, like, using this plant medicine and really being practitioners doing these ceremonies. Like, we truly become limitless in our abilities. I'm just really proud of myself. You know, you're hard on yourself, but you're proud of yourself at the same time. So, you know, stepping into it, and a lot of times it's like, who am I to write this book? Am I going to get it right? Am I going to do well by the ancestors? Am I going to do well by our elders? Am I going to do... So, like that imposter syndrome thing comes up, even though I know that I'm a living embodiment of my work and you know, and the reverence of it. So those things, but like how much it goes into, I'm kind of glad I had the six months. It was like crunch time. I needed the discipline. But it was like, honey, the plant medicine I took during those six months, because you're like, ah, it's not coming
0: out. <laughs> that makes me think of like so often I wonder of like, what do people do without plants? I
1: just don't even know. You know, I just don't even know. What do you talk about with people? Like, I don't, <laughs> What do you talk about with people? I'm like, I don't know. know. You don't talk about plants. That's why I'm like, people are like, you're so cool. I was like, I'm accidentally cool. But honestly, it's to the point where I'm like, if you can't talk about plants, I don't know what to talk about. And some of my colleagues who've been in herbalism forever, they're like, I don't want to talk about plants when we get together. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't <laughs> want to talk about plants? Because I'm like, all crazy. I'm like, what's your favorite plants? How are you using them? This is like my life, like us like right now. And I'm like, there's a plant for that. I have to like pay attention because you know, like when you love to forage, like I'll look on the ground when we're out in public and like I'm paying more attention to like the plants and the people. So I know I'm going to be some lady in the cabin somewhere in my Mm -hmm. latter part of my life.
0: basically, like, where I live now, so I understand. (laughs) Just me and the plants and, you know, the husband. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know. Like, somebody's going to pull you back to anchor you here because I would just be running through the fields. And I'm always like, this is good for this. And people are like, what? I'm like, this is good for this. And, like, springtime, like, I get so excited when I see, like, mimosa blooming, which was hard to choose holy base for mimosa because I'm a mimosa. People call me when they're in bloom or send me messages. And I squeal really loud and it scares people because I have this childlike connection still. You know, 46 years later I have this like squealing little girl inside of myself. It's like, oh my God! So I have to remember when I'm with people that I have to like contain it a little bit. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm glad that you don't contain it too much because you have so much beauty and just wisdom really to share on so many different levels of plant healing. Oh, thank you. Well, do you have anything else to share about holy basil? We kind of got off track onto the book, but um, Um, to, to leave holy basil behind.
1: I know. I really just find that, you know, I think it's one of those plants that, you know, you can take it so much all the time, it's not really contraindicated to go on and off too much. So it's just one of those things that we can incorporate into our lives. And I think that it's very important right now. I mean, COVID was really hard on all of us. And it's the first time collectively as a planet, we all had the same grief. We were all going through the same things. And so I find that it's very important to figure out how to incorporate that into your life. You can have breakfast with it, you know, putting it in your lunch and your salads and things like that. I find to be so much more important to pay attention because people don't really they think of grief as in someone died. Then that's it. But they don't think about the other parts of grief. And like this plant really, to me, is one of the most important for grief. People don't think about traumas that they've had their entire life. So incorporating this in a daily practice in some way, in your skincare, in your food, in tincture form, drinking the tea, this is always just helping move that grief that sits in the body and moving that trauma that we sometimes don't have the space for. And like, I think this is one plant that also, it just works for us all the time. And our spiritual and, and, you know, we always think of holistic health, body, mind and spirit. So this one, I love it because it really works that way. It physically, you know, physiology, it does something to the body as far as health wise. It does something to help clear the mind. And it definitely is a spiritual plant as well. So as far as herbs that kind of really fully look at your body, really fully assess everything and really fully heal you, I find that this plant has been one of the most beneficial for me. You don't have to think, okay, I have a cold or okay, I don't have this. It, you know it's just something that really kind of you know continues to nourish you in so many different ways. And that's one of my favorite things about this plant. I feel like we don't, we either compartmentalize our grief, and I'm talking like grief from a divorce, grief from a breakup, from a friend breakup, grief from a job that you used to have. Sometimes you're like, you get fired, but it pushes you somewhere, you know, better, but there's still grief there. Like it's something you thought or something a person did or said to you. So, we're not always in check with our feels because we're in a society that teaches us, oh no, you just move on, you push past it, or what's in the past is in the past. But this plant, to me, when you're eating it, when you're smelling it, I like when you harvest it, like that feeling of when you just cut it, you know, you're saying the prayers to the sacred earth, and like she makes you stop. And like you can't just go through and harvest her like you do any plant. You really have to have a way of like, you know, looking for the nodes and like trimming them in such a way. We're like mint; you can just grab it, cut it, keep going. Grab it, cut it. Lemon balm, same way. Holy basil makes you stop, and that's really what I feel like it does so much in our regular life. We're stop, bear witness. How am I feeling? How am I doing? How is my spirit? And you might not use those words, but that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm.
0: I love how beautifully you're describing this like full immersive experience of holy basil and how different that is from like, oh, holy basil goes the great herb. Take 15 drops three to five times a day. That's, you know, yeah. such a different experience of what you're saying. Bathe in it. Fill your herbal love pancakes with it. Enjoy your tea with it use it in your infused oil, use it in your face mask. I mean, that's such a just different immersive experience. I think is like you're saying so great with Holy Basil because it is something you can immerse in your life and bring that lightening to your life, that more joy to your life, this lessening of grief and, or at least transformation of it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and she's like the one I feel like that holds your hand during, at least for me and my personal Mm -hmm. experience. You know, I had a little COVID divorce is what I call it. And like, you know, you go through these shocks and like, you know, it's in loving you back to center. It tastes good. Cause like some of the other plants you take for, you know, trauma or other ones don't really have the look. I mean, I'm used to bold roots and like all that. People are like, Oh, I got chicken soup when I was little. I'm like, mm-mm. It's onion cough syrup or something like that is what I got when I was little. So she's like a plant that you don't have to think 15 drops three times a day. And that's what I love about that. It takes that you know rigidness and like brings something beautiful into it that's more ethereal into herbalism.
0: Hmm. So beautifully said Lakisha. Well African American Herbalism, um, a fabulous fabulous book. I read it within a week which is partly due to like how approachable it is and partly due to how interesting it was for me. Just totally compelling. I think every herbalist needs to read this book. So I'm excited that you answered the call and wrote it and it's out there in the world.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm like, the ancestors kind of came through and you talked about some of the grandmothers of American herbalism, which we don't think about the granny midwives and like these women who were like this bridge. And it's weird how they, as soon as I started, you know, anger, I also talk about that in the introduction, anger was the alchemy tool that led me to writing this book. I'm like, this is not our story in the Americas. This is not my story in the South. You know, the South is a bittersweet place, but I'm so fortunate to be a part of the new South. And like these people started coming to me. I didn't even have to research them. You know, it was just like something came through or some kind of voice or this kind of person. Like, and then I started meeting some of their ancestors, you know, I mean not their ancestors, but some of their family, just out of the blue. One time it was a friend of mine who started dating this new guy. And like we were all sitting here and he was like, Oh, I'm from Swannanoa, you know, my people are from there. And he started talking about, oh, you know, this midwife, and I, I was like, Mary Hayden, and he was like, I think that's her, and I was like, Well, she ain't just a midwife; she was the midwife. And he was like, He went to his dad, and so his dad started looking deeper in his lineage, and I loved that. That, and then got to meet her granddaughter. One of the last people that she birthed before she crossed over as ancestor. And then, you know, I wrote about, you know, her and like, she's what got me through the first part of COVID, sharing pound cake recipes and mm-hmm. talking about her experience of the South. So it was just like, I don't know. The answer, as soon as the doorway opened, they were just like downloading so much to me. And I still have, you know, probably three more books of things and people that I didn't get to talk about. Oh,
0: good. Know. <laughs> I'm excited about that. You know, there's something about Hayden birthing her granddaughter. And in the book, when I read it, it gave me goosebumps and I got goosebumps again here. So there's something there's some power there and these stories and, and telling them the stories of these people. And yeah, I'd love to hear how well it came together for you just so organically.
1: I know it's just like spirals. It just reminds us the world marks in spirals. And then in this time, her granddaughter has written a book about life. And, and like I learned a lot of interesting things for her that I didn't include in this book because I really want to go deeper with her. And I knew that she was writing her own book. So I didn't want to really give all of her things that people should be buying her book also about how life was back then. And the preconceived nation of like how we worked, to, you know, together in community, and I love the fact of that is that she was a bridge, you know, she had white and black patients, and like really went hard for the community as a whole. And like, you know, especially I, I lived in Asheville for most of my life and I'm like, and she's just right here. So I'm like, I can't I've been in those mountains. I ran in those mountains. I have forged in those mountains. I can't imagine the work she did and like the powerhouse of, you know, when they started banning midwifery, it really made an impact in the black community, which impacted other people. And so to see how she went down there, registered herself as a midwife, got these birthing supplies, and really was this pivotal beacon of like justice and helping other people. And I'm like, that's our story.
0: Yeah, so many of the stories you said, it was just amazing how hard and tenacious and just what people went through. And yeah, there's so many pearls of wisdom in those stories. And again, everyone needs this book, absolutely. Ah! We have African-American Herbalism. A book is available now. And do you have any other projects that you're working on right now?
1: Yeah, it's in pre-order. The book comes out October 4th. So that's the official launch date. I'm so excited. Then I have a book signing in LaGrange, Georgia. It's at this kind of fancier place. It's called Hills and Dale Estate. So Mm -hmm. I'll be doing actually reading from the book and doing my first book signing. You know, I had to work with the publishers to make sure they would get their copies in time. So it's like I've been practicing my signature. I'm getting, I'm revamping my website to kind of go with everything. I'm going to be teaching an online, a virtual plant skincare, botanical skincare class coming in the winter. You know, I think it's a great time for us to do virtual classes, and then also some a cultural immersion, herbalism, and learning about the culture of New Orleans that will also be happening. During the winter months and like the early part of next year, and so you know those things I'm most excited about. And doing some virtual, you know, readings and in person also. Like, oh, we can we can meet now. You know, that's the Mm -hmm. thing. So those are things that you're looking forward. Some cooking classes also will be coming up and coming. And so, my website, when it, it will have all those different things on there, also, some will be advertising on my social media so people can get, you know, in the know. I love cooking, and I was like, you know, I've been toying back and forth, and everybody's like, my friend watched me taught a class for Corey Pine Shay for Blue Ridge, his school, and, like, my friend came with me to assist, and she's like, oh, my God, this is what you need to be doing, like, Mm -hmm. in the kitchen, so I really want to do more of those kind of classes, teaching people how much plant medicine you can put in there, making your spices and stuff as well.
0: Oh, lovely. All of that sounds so wonderful. And yeah, it's what a gift those classes will be to many people. I'm especially excited about your skincare class because you have so much extensive experience and, and bringing that to to a
1: wide array of folks online is just really great. I know. I didn't, my friend was like, people don't really teach botanical skincare. And it was my first love. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I talk about that. Like I would mix muds and clays and roots and put them on my brother he was my first herbal patient or herbal client and like he's like you tried to poison me with poke berries and i was like i was doing an exorcism your lymphatic system was janky you know so i mean i was just like all the time beautifying myself and like you know you forget sometimes because you know the world gets so crazy like what your original love was so i'm very excited to kind of come back in here the spa industry was a little hard you know, and they'd taken that beautiful part of it. And so it took coming into herbalism to come back to my original love. So I'm excited to come harder with that. I'll be teaching online classes for Verse also, which is an herbal platform They're in the West Coast, which they have people from everywhere. So I began this Saturday is my first class with them too. Oh,
0: lovely. I think we're ready for our last question. And as listeners know, I asked all my guests the same question. And then for season six, I thought I'd do something different. So I went to my newsletter readers and I said, what question do you want to hear? So a shout out to Laura and Anne Marie for both submitting the winning question. And they're both going to get a signed copy of one of my books. And thanks to everyone who submitted a questions and, and for being a part of that newsletter herbal community. All right, Lucretia. So the question for season six is herbs give us so much. How do you like to give back to the plants?
1: Oh, I love that question. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wrote about this some of my book also is like by living in constant reverence of them, mm-hmm. by not allowing myself to come into, you know, this is treating this and this is treating that. Like, but you know, being in reverence, they're part of my morning meditations and prayers. Like I pray to the earth constantly. I'm constantly giving you know, making things to give earth offerings. I'm constantly like, I sing before a harvest and I sing to them even when I'm not harvesting and I love to come to them not needing something from them as well. And it's praying reverence to all the elements that provide them for us. So I'm in constant reverence and constant awe of them at every single part of my day. I'm just, you know, and, and thanking them. You know, thanking them even when I'm not using them. Even when I just go buy my herbs in there, I just thank them all the time. I keep tiny crystals, like just little crystal chips. And like if I'm just out walking, not foraging, because I try to make sure that I'm not always taking. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what kind of scares me about the online foraging. Everybody needs to be a forager without learning the proper reverence of them. And to keep this a sustainable thing. So I, t- I sprinkle little tiny rose quartz chips. Like if I'm just somewhere, or if or I see a tree, I like really see this tree and mm-hmm. like am in awe of them constantly and sing the songs of my people to them as well.
0: Oh, that's such a beautiful response. I am so glad that you got this question. I feel like that's a response I just want to come back to listen to again and again and I would say, you know, you responded to that question, but really it just brings about this full circle immersive plant experience that I feel like you just exude this beauty, this wisdom, and just really this calling in of plants and being in relationship with the plants. So yeah.
1: I love them so much. And I just want to, look, I just want them to know how much I love them all the time. <laughs> all the time. I don't want this to ever get old or not want to talk about plants. I don't, You
0: know, your your excitement and enthusiasm is contagious. I will say it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm just so grateful that you're here to share your plant wisdom with us.
1: Thank you. I know people like it's so funny. They call me like sometimes the Beyonce or Lizzo of herbalism. So it's like I'm always like, love yourself with the plants. And the way I describe them, I'm like, it's sexy. It's, you know, this is luscious. And so, My words are not as technical as most. So thank you for appreciating my love language with the plants. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Thank you again so much, Lucretia. Thank you. For the listeners, don't forget to head over to herbswithrosaliepodcast.com to get free access to Lucretia's Herbal Love Pancakes Recipe Card. You seriously don't want to miss out on these. Also available are the complete show notes, including the transcript. You can find Lucretia on Instagram at lucretia.vandyke and at her website, lucretiavandyke.com. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalists and plant-centered folks. I'm so glad that you are here as part of this herbal community. Have a beautiful day. Hey, thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. And if you're a new listener, thanks for checking out the show. And don't forget that you can find all the recipes, links, and show notes over at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. While you're there, you can subscribe and get updates when new episodes release and even submit your requests for future podcast episodes. The world needs more people who are connected to the earth and the healing gifts of plants. I'm so glad that you're here for this adventure. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Rising Appalachia for the use of their beautiful song, Resilience. Listen to more from Rising Appalachia at risingappalachia.com.